Thank you very much. I, uh, I will say that I feel slightly out of place now that I'm not leaning on my piano or the band's not behind me, but I really could not miss this opportunity to come see you today. Um, it was quite difficult to break away from the studio. One byproduct of this business is that no matter what you do in the years past, they always ask you, what are you going to do next? So in order to be successful next year, 86, I've got to be in the studio now. I will say to you, though, uh, with uh, commenting back on Mr. Getty's speak, uh, speech, I don't have absolute pitch <laughs> myself. <laughs> And, and I will tell you, every time I, I, I say this to people, sometimes it's hard to believe. But standing here, I'm a little bit at awe myself as to how far I've come and what I've done. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on a speech because I found that every time I write a speech that I think people want to hear, they want to ask me some questions that have something to do with something totally different. So I'm going to make the speech real short and make the questions in the longer period. But I will say to you that from my beginnings on the campus of Tuskegee Institute, I actually went to Tuskegee to spend two years there to become an Episcopal priest. <laughs> I met the Commodores my second semester of my freshman year, went on the road with them with the Jackson Five, and found out immediately I was not going to be an Episcopal priest. <laughs> but when it comes down to knowing about someone's background, I guess I should be able to tell you a little bit about how Lionel Richie grew up. It's very simple. I was too short to play basketball, too slow to run track, too light to play football. And when someone said to me, girls, I said, are you kidding? <laughs> well, that sums up my life right there. I'm the, guy, I'm the guy really over in the corner that really did not have a clue as to what was going to happen to him. I knew one thing, and that was that I had a tremendous desire and belief in people. I like to meet people. My problem is they can't keep me behind gates. They can't keep me up in a hotel room. I like to walk around and meet people. And that's the whole idea of writing. Uh, I have found that in my writing, uh, sometimes I'll go to truck stops or just on tour or backstage with the road crew just to find out the stories that I missed by being up in the hotel rooms a lot of times. And I'm finding now by meeting people just like you, you give me some great stories, I'll go back and write a song. <laughs> Yeah, but what I want to do right now is I don't want to talk anymore about, about me. I just kind of want to find out what you are thinking out there so you can ask me some questions. <laughs> I think I might have messed up. Such a rush for mics. <laughs> yeah, on this side. I was just wondering uh, what kind of music that, if you got free time, that you listen to besides your own, and if there's, and if there's anything uh, that you wouldn't listen to or that you disagree with that's going on in the music world today? Um, well, to answer your first question, whenever I'm off, if that's ever possible, the brain continues to go constantly, but uh, I listen to classical music. Um, and the reason, the reason for that is that uh, it ha they don't have any drums. <laughs> I'm finding that as soon as you put a bass and a drum together, uh, I start breaking down the song, so I don't enjoy it anymore. I start analyzing. So uh, classical music is about the best. And the second half, what was the second part of your question? 
Uh, is there anything that's going on in the music world today oh, yeah. that you disagree with? Oh, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm slightly, and I'll tell you this honestly, I've been in the music business for a long time, and we've used the word suggestive lyrics over and over again. But uh, I believe that the quietest, most non-political means of reaching the masses of people is through music. And we have no idea how powerful the medium is until we realize that I can go home tonight, write some lyrics, and quietly as you drive in your car and you're sitting in your classrooms, and I can put a thought on your mind and have it there, and you'll say the next day, that's my idea, but I just gave it to you quietly through lyrics. Uh, lyrics that have a lot to do with uh, anti-church, anti-Christ, and lyrics that have to do with... Um, over sexuality, I say sexualities. Uh, I, I disagree with. I like to keep believe that the world is still a great, wonderful place, and uh, I think all of us have the wonderful choice of uh, our sexualities. But to say it blatantly in songs and music, and and to of course speak against God, you're fighting me all of a sudden. Alternate microphones the other side. Mr. Ritchie, uh, how did you get involved? Please call me, call me Ritchie. Mr. Ritchie's my dad. <laughs> uh, how did you get involved with the uh, USA for Africa, Africa project? And also, are you concerned that the, all the aid and the money and the food and everything is getting to the people it should in uh, Africa rather than, say, the government or whoever? Well, it started out very simple. Uh, it started out where... Uh, Stevie Wonder, Lionel Richie were going to get together and write a song. Uh, I, by all means, I have a very dear friend of mine in my lifetime, Quincy Jones, who called on the phone and just to find out what I was into for the week. And I said, I'm thinking about doing something for the African Relief Fund. Of course, this, the phone call first started from Harold Belafonte, who called me. And in the conversation that evening, I spoke to Stevie Wonder, who said, I'd love to be a part. And then I spoke to uh, Quincy Jones to would you produce this for us, Quincy? And he said, fine. Michael called Quincy that night. Quincy said, let me tell you what Lionel and Stevie are doing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the four of us got together and said, great idea. Well, the next three days, it was like a, an amazing, just to show you how gossip travels around uh, the country, we had uh, 14 phone calls right away from people, from Springsteen to... Uh, uh, to Cindy, to everybody, Bruce. <laughs> and and uh, everybody, i never forget, uh, Bruce said, you just tell me what you want me to do, Lionel. <laughs> so so uh, the problem that we had was not getting it started, but closing the door on the rest of the artists that, was, that were really trying to come in. It was so overwhelming. We thought we had to sell people on the idea. But, for example, Bob Dylan... We only made one phone call. And I said, Bob, are you ready to fight again? Because his success came from the 60s and the protests of the war in Vietnam and whatnot. And all of a sudden, I realized we couldn't have this unless we had Bob Dylan again. I asked him one time, and Bob said, you have me. No problem. Uh, the second part of it was, uh, second part of your question was what now? Let me make sure. Are you concerned that the, all of this aid and money oh, yeah. is getting to the proper people? We sent a fact-finding committee uh, over to, your, uh, to, um, to Africa. And I'll tell you something. Whatever we thought it was, it's worse. Um, they just uh, returned uh, day before yesterday. Ken Cragen, uh, a staff of accountants, a staff of doctors, uh, went over to see firsthand. We carried the food there. We carried the clothing there. We carried the tents, the housing there. 
And we found literally people standing in the desert exposed, period. And uh, it's, there's a lot that we have to do, but our problem we're finding now is there's so much uh, red tape going on. But our stuff, believe it or not, went straight from the plane straight to the people without a stop. And we, are now, uh, we now have four ships on its way getting ready to start up now and uh, three more plane loads of stuff. So we are, we're on the move. Um, I have a rather greedy question. Um, are you going to be able to sing for us? <laughs> Let me tell you something. Uh, I thought about singing a cappella, and as Quincy Jones would say, acupuncture. But, uh, uh, but I think I'm going to need some acupuncture to sing up here like this. But I tell you what, I, I might consider it. Yeah. Don't, ask don't ask me what I'm going to say. I don't know. I just wanted to ask you, what or who has been your inspiration in pursuing your personal happiness in life and your excellence in music? Oh. And who are your personal heroes? Oh, shoot. Well, <laughs> do I have a chance to go away and come back and think about it? That's difficult. I'll tell you, uh, I've been surrounded by some pretty, pretty wonderful people. I, um, I grew up on the campus of Tuskegee Institute, so therefore there were a lot of things happening in my life that I didn't realize that would have an effect on me. For example, uh, a great many of my heroes happened to be clergy people. Uh, I didn't realize that as I grew up on that campus, uh, there were doctors and lawyers happening within the community. I didn't realize that that man walking in my house and out of my house every day and down the street, I kept saying, hi, Dr. King, how are you? I didn't realize that was Martin Luther. You know, so it's funny how things happen. Uh, I didn't realize that sometimes when you travel uh, through circles, Atlanta, Georgia is right up the street. There are three gentlemen that I happen to admire a great deal. Uh, they were, of course, older than I was, and of course they were dealing with camp and counseling. But these guys went on to uh, become uh, great politicians, Andrew Young, Vernon Jordan, and uh, Maynard Jackson. Uh, these were guys that I kind of hung out with. <laughs> you, know, you know, I was, I was too young, really, to, to get involved, but I was right in the middle of everything. The civil rights movement was right in Montgomery, Alabama, and Selma, Alabama. So people from all over the world came to Tuskegee and to Montgomery and to Birmingham, and I had a chance to watch them. So it's kind of difficult to answer exactly one particular person, but I would just say that that whole unit of people in that era was so, so inspiring to me. The second half, what was the second half again? I keep thinking, I thought so hard on the first half. Actually, that was the second half. That's good, that's <laughs> the good. The first half was, was but, what has inspired you in your life. Oh, oh, I mean, well, um, what keeps you going? Yeah, well, let me tell you. <laughs> I had a chance to, to fly on an airplane uh, from New York City to um, Atlanta, Georgia. And, of course, uh, at that time we were known as the Kama Who, not the Commodores. Um, my seat partner for that entire flight was a guy named Duke Ellington, Ooh. who, who uh, gave me the best advice in the world. He said, you will find that as success comes to you, you will find that the luxuries of life become eight hours, um, three meals a day and eight hours sleep. And what keeps me going really is to keep that in mind because I spend more time in the air than I do on the ground, if you want the truth about it. And the demands of people, and I, I want so much to be a part of so many different lives and so many different families. And just to mention, I'm a part of every African tribe in the world and, and, uh, over there. But 
it's my love for people. It's my love for for um, helping people to see life a little clearer. Uh, I cannot tell you how many letters I've received from people that said, I was thinking about suicide yesterday. Uh, your song came on the radio and made me think about it clearly. That's a heavy in my life. Um, or I'm dying of terminal cancer. Uh, I want you to know that your songs have helped me to... Uh, to cross over with uh, no fear. Very heavy. You know, you don't think about that when you're writing the lyrics to Endless Love or to Three Times a Lady or to uh, We Are the World, but people relate to your music, to my music, to the music business in such a heavy way that uh, I almost feel like I want to get out and touch more hands and touch more lives. And uh, what keeps me going is just that. Said that uh, MTV and the music video business has been turning popular music into general garbage and wasted <laughs> stuff, and uh, because now it's not necessary anymore to be talented to have your songs played on the radio, it's just necessary to be photogenic and have some models mm -hmm. and make a good video. And I was wondering, uh, from your point of view, as someone whose uh, success in the music business was well established before MTV became a factor, what's your opinion of its effect on popular music is? Well, in the words of Michael Jackson and Quincy Jones, Stevie Wonder and Lionel Richie, we, uh, we sit over in the corner some days and think about the music business and we say, thank God for garbage. <laughs> because without the garbage, when our stuff would come on the air, you wouldn't notice it. <laughs> so not that, not, that I'm, not that I'm saying anything against the rest of the groups, I'm just saying that uh, there's a lot of talent out here in the world. Uh, Unfortunately, we have to weed through a great deal of garbage to get to the, to the, to the cream. And if you're, if you're worth anything, and I always said this, my grandmother said this without traveling around the world, the cream will rise to the top. Uh, if you believe in yourself and you believe what you're doing, and uh, it just takes time, and uh, it'll, it'll happen. Well, let me, get, let me get this straight now. <laughs> you sing, right? I sing. I sing. <laughs> I had to ask you that. I was just kidding. Um, uh, <laughs> That's my front act. That's my front act. Uh, I was going to ask you, uh, what sort of communication was there between the USA for Africa group and the, the English group? I forget the name of it. Um, Band yeah, Band-Aid. Band-Aid. We brought in the founder of uh, Band-Aid to actually, in fact, at the opening of the, uh, of the video, you will see Bob uh, Gildoff there who, by the way, is the founder of the Band-Aid program. We figured we couldn't do the USA for Africa until we made the link. And of course, he is the opening voice that you hear at the, at the opening of our USA for Africa movement. But we did make a link. We put the, the marriage together. You've written a lot of different songs for a lot of different people, a lot of different reasons. <laughs> and there, too, they've all had varied themes. But if you were only allowed to write one more song for one special occasion like that, do you think maybe you could summarize what you would want that theme to be, how, what you'd want to share with the rest of your fans? Yeah, well, I'm glad you said that. <laughs> that's, a, that's a hard one. If I had to go out tomorrow and they said you had one more song, I probably would write a song that had to do with um, the awareness of love. The song I've been writing about and the themes I've been writing about all the time. It's probably one of the easiest, uh, simplest commodities in the whole world. Um, we find ourselves going to the moon. We find ourselves uh, dealing with uh, 
buildings going up and conquering this and milestones in that. And, and the simple thing about the world is that all it takes is love to solve all these problems. Here we are talking about the moon, space stations, when we have people. I have to get Springsteen, Lauper, Dylan, Jackson, Quincy. I have to get musical giants to come to make hunger, death, fashionable. That's ridiculous. Now, the hardest and most senseless course I ever took in school was the course in logic. There is no logic in the world. Now, once you understand that, we can go back to what you asked me the first time. Love is the simplest form of anything. It's just the hardest thing to get people to do. And once we understand that I need you, and you need me, and we need each other, once you understand those three simple forms, then the rest is easy. And if I had to write a song, that would probably be the last thing I'd leave here. Thank you. Uh, First of all, to use your own word, I think it's outrageous that you're here uh, today. <laughs> Thanks. Um, and I want to ask this. There are a lot of times in the music business, it's actually c quite common for a member of a group to go solo, as you have uh, with Commodores. I mean, there's Phil Collins now and you know, yeah. all, all the other ones. Yeah. Um, I was wondering what kind, of, what kind of a relationship exists after something like that happens? I mean, uh, do, are, there any, are there ever any hard feelings now? I'm not necessarily just talking, talking about you and the Commodores, yeah. but I mean, what kind of relationship exists there before and after and during the, the, the change like that? I could, I could flower it up and say a whole lot of great and wonderful things, but bottom line to it is, yeah, there's always some, some ill feels, obviously. But I spent 15 years with the Commodores. I have not, to that point, I hadn't done anything for 15 years or that length of time. But you grow together. You see, we've been married for 15 years. That's what it really is. And we grew up together. Uh, it's hard to say I don't feel those guys or I'm not a part of those guys. We talk, well, every other month or so, we try to get together. And when I say this, I say this sincerely. Not as a group. I, I may see the individuals, but the problem now is when I remove myself from the Commodores, they're on their schedule now and I'm on my schedule, and it's just like bumping into Stevie Wonder. I don't do that that often. We have to make real arrangements to bump into each other. The idea of Stevie or Michael and Richie being in the same city at the same time is highly unusual. But, but we do have a, a relationship of communications. Um, and I will tell you, it, the hardest thing that I ever had to do in my life, seriously, was to, to leave the Commodores and to go on. But uh, I, I like to hold on to everything. I'm pretty much a rug rat. I like to take everything with me. But uh, it's a wonderful relationship that we had for 15 years. But uh, the challenge came for me to move on, and I, I seized the opportunity. Thank you. On this side. Yeah. I wonder if, if you could tell me, besides the USA for Africa program, Band-Aid, that kind of thing, um, if you have checked into other, uh, say, world concern programs for, uh, say, Ethiopia and Africa and other starving nations, if you can tell me, besides the USA for Africa, the Band-Aid program, if there are other ones that have the which have the least amount of red tape and which ones uh, would be most 
Yeah, I know it's the most intelligent to send, uh, you know, which well, of your funds would get... Well, let me say this to you. All of them... I, I, I got you, I think. <laughs> I think I help. I'm trying to help you. Thank you. Uh, there are a lot of folks out there, I think, uh, me included, that would really like to uh, support causes like this, but you don't know which, what is going where. Well, the, the answer that they brought back to us, and I'm going to give it to you sincerely, is that all of them are making a difference. It's just, just that we're dealing with resistance, believe it or not. I mean, we're not dealing with all of the causes, all of the campaigns, when you see your television set, all of those wonderful uh, advertisements are bona fide, registered, checked out uh, operations. The problem that we're having here is that we're getting to a Marxist government over in Ethiopia. And the problem there is once the food gets there, it's which one has the right channels or who's contacting the right people to get through. They're all good. That's the funny and ironic thing about it. They're all good once they start here. Now, once they get over there, they all run into red tape. Even uh, USA for Africa ran into red tape. And, uh, but rem remember, we're only carrying one plane load of stuff. Uh, some of those other programs are carrying uh, two and three shiploads of stuff. So the problem that, for example, I'll give you one example. When we got there, we found four or five docks full of food, tents, clothing, the works. The only problem is they only had 27 trucks. So the problem is not that the food has not gotten there. That's not the problem. The problem is with 27 trucks, it's slow. So we had to go find helicopters because if we left the food there long enough, it would spoil, you see. So we kind of went around the corner to get that one plane load of stuff delivered. But again, all of them are good, believe it or not. Thank you. I'm just going to suggest, what's the chance of trying a little acupuncture for us? Yeah. <laughs> I almost got out of here alive, I'll tell you. <laughs> Wait till I go back and tell Quincy. Okay. All right, now here's what I'm going to do, because I think it'd be good. I think it'd be good. Okay, now. And what I'm going to do is instead of me singing, per se, I'm going to get you all to kind of sing with me one time, all right? <laughs> I'm going to try this. Now, what I'm going to do is, I think, I think the appropriate one for this, instead of just going through and start calling off names of songs, is that I'd like to leave you with the We Are The World thing, because that's real cool. <laughs> yeah. So, instead of, instead of singing the verse... And I don't even want to get down to Springsteen's part where he goes, we are the world. I don't even want to go through that, see? So what I'm going to do is I'll just start off. I'll sing it one time around myself. Hope I get the right key for everybody. And then you all come on in and join me. And we'll sing it about three times around, and then we'll give ourselves an applause. That's what we'll do. All right? We are, we are the world. We are the children. We are the ones to make a brighter day, so let's start giving. There's a choice we're making. We're changing our own lives. It's true, we'll make a better day, just you and me. Here we go. We are the world. We are the children. We are the ones to make a brighter day, so let's start giving. 
There's a choice we're making, saving. We're saving our own lives. It's true, we make a better day, just you and me. One more time, it's your turn to sing. this time we are the world we are the children our children we are the ones to make a brighter day so let's start give y'all stand on up this side there's a choice we're making we're saving our own lives it's true we make a better day just you and me how about singing it one more time huh we are the world, one world. We are the children, our children. We are the ones to make a brighter day. So let's start giving. There's a choice we're making. We're saving our own lives. It's true, we make a better day. Just you and me. God bless you, everybody. Thank you. Delilah Richie.